This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. It's the MVSP brought to you by Bulldog Radio. Season 3, Episode 8. Brandon, it's the kickoff of Homecoming Weekend. It's going to be a good one. Oh my goodness, it's going to be great. They're already setting up and it's 8. It was like literally 8 o'clock this morning here on Friday. And they're already setting up. And I'm just like, man, like you can't block off the parking lot. I got to get out of here yeah. first. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. But no, it's all good. It's going to be a really fun weekend. A lot of festivities going on. And of course, it's homecoming. Everyone's coming home. And it's going to be a really, really fun time. We've got a great game of football here. But we got some other things that happened over the last couple of days that are oh, definitely yeah. worth mentioning. Definitely, Brandon. But first, we have an interview with Nina Gorievska from the Fair State Volleyball team coming on uh, the show. So without further ado, we'll swing it on over to the interview. Joining us now for this interview, Nina Gorgievsko is with us from volleyball after a big win last night. Nina, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, you've been in Big Rapids a couple years now in America for a few years longer. You went to Juco route as well. What are some things from Germany that you wish you could bring along with you? Um, that's a great question, and I get it a lot. I would say I would bring the food. I really Ooh. miss it. Yeah, yeah, the food isn't too great here. <laughs> yeah, American food. Hot dogs, Papa Joe's, <laughs> McDonald's. What are we doing? <laughs> no, mean, don't even say McDonald's, bro. That's <laughs> McDonald's so <laughs> basically American food. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it, but you know, um, yeah. I feel like German food is really, really good. <laughs> is it more like home cooked meals that you miss? Yes, or? yes. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. I feel like there's a lot of good foods, like international foods, that we just miss out on in America because we just don't, we're just not afraid to try. We're yeah. very stubborn people, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I know one thing um, is you came from obviously from Potsdam, Germany, and then you came to a JUCO in Kansas. How does that feel? A little bit of adjustment going from Germany to the wide open plains of America in Kansas. <laughs> um, well, obviously, like it was very different because coming from a bigger city um and going to a small small town um it was kind of empty like everything mm -hmm. was flat and it was hard at the beginning for me to understand like why you know like we see these movies in europe about america and i was like oh my gosh this is different this mm -hmm. is not the movies right <laughs> um but yeah it was it was still cool and we had a couple international girls so and the team was, you know, like it felt like a family. So they, mm -hmm. they all made it better. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And like you said, there's like movies that kind of portray like American lifestyle and stuff. What's like the biggest difference? And like what surprised you the most when you came to like an American university compared to like what the universities are like over in Europe? Um, so first of all, I knew that American universities are expensive. Yeah. But also like um, buying the books, it was so, so expensive. I was... Not worried, but I was like, oh my gosh, that it, this is very expensive. Yeah, but, you and me both. Ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then the cafeteria, for example, or the rock here or the quad. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not good. I'm just saying like the difference is very big. Yeah, um, sure. And like I said before, the, the food is different. So what they serve was a big difference for me. Um, and how there's pop and stuff like that everywhere. I was like, oh my gosh, this is very different. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm um, kind of moving more into the volleyball aspect. Obviously, 
Huge win last night over yeah. the Lakers. Anchor down, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, how big was that win, being able to come back at home against Grand Valley, especially after the little bumps in the road up north? Uh, how did that just make you feel to finally get that win against Grand Valley? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's amazing. It's always good to win games. But, you know, we love fifth sets, and mm-hmm. uh, we practice that at – practice every day and um we just you know like have sprint points first to five first to ten first to fifteen so um we just were able to implement um what we do at practice so and that's yeah. Great. yeah awesome and uh this weekend on sunday you guys are going to be taking on davenport got a few days of practice to prepare mm-hmm. and like you said you guys play good in fifth sets you guys went to the fifth set with uh, grand valley what's your approach now to davenport especially coming off a pretty big win get and then mm-hmm. hopefully you guys can use that to uh, propel yourself in a good spot for a gliac play yeah i mean uh we just have to go into practice with the mindset we have a word we call it urgency yeah. game like mm-hmm. urgency um and we just can't you know like relax because we gotta win um and focus on the scout focus on the on the next thing you know a win is a win but we have to move on so mm. yeah. yeah absolutely and i mean being a part of this program for a couple years now being in the really the tight core with um girls like katie o'connell mm-hmm. and samantha herman just to name a few just how has that been like with your guys' relationship, especially now with being through the program and having a lot of these um, younger girls come into the team and make an impact so quick this year? Yeah, I mean, um, I love being on the court with Katie and Sammy because we've been here for so long. And uh, But in general, everybody is, um, you know, like they we're the fifth year seniors and they, they look up to us and we have to, you know, um, kind of show them the way and lead and be leaders. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really good. I'm really glad to, to be doing this with them and yeah, just, it's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you know, helping these girls out, especially being like fifth year senior stuff. When you first came here, I know you went with the junior college route. So mm-hmm. you were, you're used to the college life, but what was that kind of like? And who kind of took you under your wing when you first got to Ferris? Um, I have to say it was, it was the seniors mostly because, you know, um, I, they probably didn't know how it is, how it was for me to transfer here, but they probably could have imagined. So I feel like Allison Capel was one of my best friends. I mean, she still is, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, she was kind of like my older buddy. We always had, so the younger players always have a older buddy that will Mm -hmm. help them out. And that was Al for me. And, um, you know, we, um, built that relationship back then and we still keep nourishing it. So that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, what a great mentor. One of the greatest volleyball players the university's ever seen. That's, know, that's yeah. super cool. <laughs> but um, looking forward to the rest of the year, obviously, we're moving into GLIAC plays. Postseason's coming faster mm-hmm. than we can believe it. Yep. What are what are your guys' goals and what as far as you're going to be able to do to prepare for those? Um, I mean, we always have small goals and it always starts with practice. So, uh, you know, we've been talking about like, how we want to practice, who we want to be. Um, And yeah, just like I said, it always starts with practice. So we just have to take one day at a time and one practice at a time and then just go from there. Um, Yeah, I mean, we're just, you know, excited to play volleyball and just excited to um, compete. And we're glad that we can, um, you know, because of COVID and stuff. Was, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're just glad to be in the gym and we're trying to keep COVID off uh, away from the gym and away from us. Um, and just like, you know, compete. 
Yeah, and we're glad to see you girls compete yeah. as well. But final question, then you can get out your yep. get on out of here. What's your favorite thing and kind of what like really what does it mean for you to be a bulldog? Um I am very competitive in general, <laughs> not just in volleyball. <laughs> so the program is very competitive and we're all we're all like that. So it just really means to me a lot that I can be myself within the team. And also, you know, like practicing or being a volleyball player for Tia and Hannah, it's it's just really good. They're great people. They're gr- they're great coaches and um they just um prepare us for life in general not for volleyball awesome that's love, awesome. love to yeah. hear it. yeah more than a sport that's what we always say yeah. it's, it's a family for sure yeah. thank you so much nina for coming on the show and we appreciate you taking your time yeah thanks for having me thanks again to nina for coming on the show and giving us her insight on the sport and more and if there is an athlete coach for any specific sport that you want us to interview reach out on Instagram or Twitter at the MVSP and submit us who you think we should talk to next because we got we got a lot of sports we got to cover here coming up, especially in the winter, Joe. Oh, yeah, for sure. But to kick off the Ferris State Sports Report, we might as well just start with volleyball. Ferris State oh, yeah. had a big, big win against Grand Valley State. Anchored down. Anchored down, baby. A 3-2 uh, win over the set. So close every game. It was insane. I wish I could go. I, I, I wish it, I was I there, I was too. There. Yeah, I mean, prior commitments kept me away from the game, but boy, I wish I was there. It was an electric atmosphere from what I heard. Um, I mean, it was just a fantastic game, a nail-biter. I mean, all you have to say is fifth five sets in volleyball, and you know exactly what that entails. It's mm-hmm. just, It was just a really cool thing to see. I mean, Katie O'Connell got her, um, I believe, her 1,000th kill yep. yesterday, which is fantastic. Shout-out to her, and make sure you can check out the interview we had with her um, down in the feed. I believe it was like Old Times. Old Times is uh, episode name, but yeah. um, definitely great conversation with her. And just like how she's embraced um all this program and being a part of this team and i mean really like the resiliency was there yesterday it mm-hmm. really was a dogfight i mean grand valley came out um won the first set um and it was a pretty close set i yeah, think it was 27 25 yep it was a very close first set and then we came back fought it off won the second one they come back again with another long set win in the third and then we come out and shut them down in the fourth and then win the fifth by a little bit more handily so it was it was just really fun game to see and i mean really this team needs it they've just been on a little bit of a bumpy road and this is this is a great step back on the right track yeah and especially like like we said uh i think it was like last episode where we had to play the top two teams in the gliac north like with michigan tech and northern michigan and then to come in and play Grand Valley State, who both who beat both of those teams, and then to be able to just have this long, hard-fought battle and then come out on top, it is something that you really like to see, especially just to get a, un, basically to get right back on track of GLIAC play. And now you're going to be going in. You're going to be. I'm pretty sure we play. Who do we play next? Um, I believe next is going to. I believe next is another is another GLIAC game, and I believe Davenport. Okay, Davenport I was going to say Davenport. That's this Sunday, which is I'm very excited to watch. Uh, I'm probably I'm hopefully going to try to get there, uh, but if not, hopefully I can. Let's yeah. just say that. But yeah, what a great game it was. Uh, I don't really know what else more to say than it's just good to see that we won because it was just a great show of resiliency. It was just a hard fought battle, a lot of a lot of grit that took to get that win. Yeah, I mean. 
you will always take a W. I mean, especially the way that it went back and forth. I mean, it just shows you how good class both of these programs are. And I mean, not to bias, but I mean, we did come out on top. So we, you can put us up a little yeah, high. You can put us but <laughs> I mean, it's still great to see the fact that um, we we limited errors. That was really yeah. a big thing that I noticed. And that was something that we kind of struggled with some parts in the Tyler, Texas tournaments and um, a little bit over the last couple of games that you just mentioned against tech and Northern. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it is really good to see them um, limiting the errors. I mean, grand Valley led in errors, I believe 33 to 23. Um, and I mean, we had a better hit percentage. And the one thing that I noticed was the block assist. That is what I think we were missing a lot, especially going back to what I remember watching from last year's team was mm-hmm. like up front. It was hard to get past the wall. I mean, really by the net, it was really hard to find seams. And I mean, it was really kind of a situation where you put the other team in a scenario of now you're thinking, yeah, I got to hit this in the perfect spot or otherwise it's going to get blocked. That gets in your head because I mean, it, it really, it's like when you have, um, like using a football example, it's like when a team is in a zone and you're trying to fit a slant in there, it's a lot differently than when it's man to man. It's a really tight window. Yeah. So just having to think about those things, it's just a little bit of a mental kicker. Like, Oh, you have an extra thing to think Mm -hmm. about. And sometimes that can mess you up. And I mean, I think that does that to some of the opposing teams, because I mean, from my limited volleyball experience, (laughs) Hey, sixth grade church retreat, national, (laughs) national runner up. No, I'm just kidding. We were like eighth in that tournament, but anyway, it was still (laughs) a fun time. The biggest thing I noticed was when you have a wall, like to come up and block you, that you put you in a tough spot to where you either have to start playing tips or you have to just you might have to concede and try to to go on your own side, mm-hmm. and that just makes it very hard. But I mean, just the fact that like twenty block assists that can just show you that hey, we can we can stuff teams defensively as well as have that high power on offense with um players like um. Obviously, Katie, we could say. Um, Keona Salesman also had 15 kills. Henneman Dulape at 11. Um, Samantha Herman at 7. You can use those offensive weapons that you have um, up front that can still get you um, ability to score points. Yeah. And that's really crucial, especially against these good teams. Yeah, and we're going to have a, I guess, a tough task, but we definitely, that big win uh, especially kicks off this large homestand that we got. So that's going to give us some good momentum into Davenport and then Purdue Northwest uh, coming up next Friday. And then uh, uh, next Sunday, we're going to be taking out Wisconsin Parkside all at home. Uh, but it's definitely going to be a good one to watch. That's a nice home run. Yeah. Nice home run. <laughs> I swear I did not mean baseball. <laughs> we, need, we need a baseball team. We do need a baseball team. Then to bring that why up we, again. Why don't but, we have a baseball team? <laughs> we have a baseball field, but we don't have a baseball team. Yeah. Our ba- baseball field is also huge. Yeah, it is. Up, it's, it is. Up. It's massive. This, you know, center field is bigger than Comerica, at our field. Four fifty to center. Yeah, probably more or, than that. I'm what sure is it? Like what? Four sixty. Uh, to in Comerica? No. Oh, here, you're saying in Wincombe? Ah, uh, I can't. It's four fififty to center in I Comerica. Think, is it? I think. Yeah. I played on that field in like juniors against yeah. Big Rapids. Yeah, I can't remember. How long it is? Any... I remember somebody was saying that one of the dimensions was longer. Maybe it was le- maybe it was left center or right. I don't it know. might be can't the, be right center. Not left triples and, alley. Yeah, left and right are like at least at our field are not very. But big, yeah, but compared to other college fields, that field is huge. Yeah, so she's she's big. That's all you have to say. But um, moving now into the preview section, we got of course the homecoming football game to talk about. We're gonna be taking on the Davenport Panthers at three o'clock at Top Taggart. Gonna be fun. I know there's. 
a bunch of like homecoming festivities, tailgates, um, tent meet and greets. It's going to be crazy. Like I think that there's like reports that stuff is starting at like nine or to like 11 a.m. is when things are starting. That's like six hours before kickoff. That just shows you how much anticipation is coming into this game. And I think for rightly so. Um, I know Davenport hasn't been necessarily on the start that they have in the past. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're looking, they're they're probably pretty hungry right now. And I think this is going to be a really fun game because we're not satisfied with how we played no. last week. Everybody has been talking about it. And they know everybody's been talking about it. So this is a statement game. Put everything on the line. This is the time to shine. And, I mean, really, it's just going to be interesting. I think, obviously, the number one thing we're going to be seeing is who's going to be under the helm um, to start this game. If it will be Evan Cummins once again, maybe it'll be Malik Mitchell. We never know. Coach Anise likes to throw mm-hmm. curveballs. Or if um, uh, Bernhardt's going to be healthy enough to get the start. But, I mean, either way, I think we're going to be in okay shape. We just got to hold on to the football and just play a little bit smarter. Yeah, that's the one thing. I uh, Davenport definitely, like you said, is going to be coming in hungry. They started off 0-1 in the Gleak so far. We had the close loss, and I know that Anise has been running those guys and dogging those guys at practice and letting them know that that was not a number two in the nation type performance. We definitely need to pick it up, especially since the uh, the couple games that we have coming up on the slate. But Davenport, they lost to Northern Michigan their first game 20-14, to so it was definitely a very close game. And, you know, they're going to be having some pretty pretty tough games up ahead, so they definitely want to get ahead of that when, when they play us th- uh, this weekend. But that's the thing is, who's going to be getting the start for us? It's Because it's going to be definitely, whoever gets the start for us is definitely going to drastically affect our approach to the game because Evan's more of our throwing quarterback. And last week, we didn't have the best throwing it because we had a lot of interceptions. We had a lot of uh, turnovers that really didn't bode well for us. And if we have Malik in there as well, it's just going to be the, it's just going to be, the story of the game is how many turnovers are we not going to have? Because anything less than what do we have? Eight last game? Nine? It's seven turns. Seven turnovers? If Five I have fumbles, any number less than that, it's just going to hopefully we can do better. But nonetheless, hopefully we can, like I said, hopefully we can do better because we're not going to be able to, I don't think we'll be able to win against Davenport if we play like that. Especially if we almost lost the game to Saginaw Valley. I think Davenport's on that level of Saginaw. It's just that they haven't really gotten that that good shake of the stick yet, but nonetheless, turnovers, how we react to last week's turnovers is going to be, I think is going to be the outcome of the game. Yeah. And I think, I mean, going back to two years ago, I believe the Davenport game was actually one of Evan's breakout games. Cause yeah. I mean, that was still in the era of like the, the triple scheme where we had Travis Russell, we had Evan and then we had um, J Roo for parts of it, obviously uh-huh. with that situation. But I like Evan, I think that was his breakout game if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he knows, exactly what he can do against a team like that and I mean I'm gonna assume that this game's gonna be a little bit more gritty I know I talked about that last week where uh, I mean last week was big plays a lot I mean really it was just momentum shift after momentum shift Mm -hmm. I mean at some points we didn't know who wanted the football because it just kept giving it back now you can have it now you you can can have it you can take Take but I mean this game I think will be a lot different we might see a more emphasis on ground and pound on both sides I mean Davenport's not necessarily one of the teams that's going to throw it all over the place as opposed to what Saginaw might do with a more spread type offense so it's going to be fun I mean I'm really looking forward to this game because I just know how much emphasis has been put in like, guys, last week was so bad. What are you going to do about it? And that's really going to be the interesting part. I mean, we had 6,000 fans at Saginaw last week compared to the 66,000, or sorry, 6,600 at Finley um, in the opener. So I'm going to be interested to see how many we're going to have on campus for this game and how much the environment might change and how much 
emphasis will be put on, hey, it's a new week, new game, new team. Yeah. Let's get after and let's get back on track because this team definitely is better on paper than what we saw last week. Yeah, and you brought up how it's going to be more grounded pound. Ferris State's defense was not the best covering the run last week. I mean, Tommy Scott of Saginaw had like, I, I don't know the exact number, but he had o- over triple digits of rushing, and he basically tore up whenever they needed a first down, when it was maybe third and long or second and long, and they needed to get a situation where they could convert on the fourth down or maybe get it close, they would always give it to him, and he was able to run. I mean, in the third quarter, they ran him so much that he had to take breaks. He would maybe be able to run for two plays, then he'd come out for another two just so he could catch his breath, and I think that's also going to be one big thing for Ferris is, is if they can plug up the holes and kind of force him to the outside – that's kind of where we're able to stay in control on the defense because, I mean, at least with the, last week, maybe they'll be able to pick it up, especially since Anise is going to be working them hard. On the defensive side, we definitely don't want to be giving up 45 points again. As I mean, because we saw from our first two weeks, our defense is very solid, but I don't know if it was just a hiccup in the road or if it's just going to be something that we're going to have to be expecting for this week. But what are they going to do when it comes to plugging up the middle? How are they going to force them outside? Because... As long as we can do that, I think we'll be fine, especially since uh, our passing defense is one of the best in the nation. I mean, we got, uh, excuse me, we got like the be- one of the best secondaries uh, in the nation right now, which is uh, very much boarding well for us. But nonetheless, I think the name of the game as well is just going to be how are we going to defend the run on the inside and how are we going to force them to the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one thing like going into this game, noticing like as far as for Davenport is, um, I mean, just to mention that, Rushing, they, they've they averaged just about as much rushing as they have passing. I believe that's like about 135 um, passing yards per game. And then about, I think it was like two or 136 passing. So they're pretty yeah. much about the same. Um, 95, in, but 95 attempts rushing, 82 passing. So you know where the emphasis is put there. And I mean, I, I mean, right now, like Davenport is like a team that you'd look at and be like, they're not very good, but they're a team that's like, they like to play the game slow. They like to play yeah, that. They're more like the three, three, four minute long drives where they knock it off the clock. They'll get, you know, if they need to, they'll get the four or five yard rushes and they'll just kind of pound you until, you know, they'll just chisel you away until they can get the score. Exactly. And I think that's going to be the one big thing, <coughs> excuse me, because. We're more used to those big plays and those big runs and those big throws. So I think you're going to see a very drastic difference of the possession times comparatively. And I don't know if that's going to bode well for us, especially since the offense might be sitting for a while if Davenport's offense is successful in doing what they're able to do. And that's just you know taking time off the clock. So I don't know if that's going to be something that they're going to really aim for is try to get our offense a little bit stagnant while they're on the sidelines. When they come out, that's when they'll be able to do some damage on the defensive side. But nonetheless, I think that's going to be the one thing that you do have to look out for is the difference in possession and kind of see what how that's going to have an effect on the outcome of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's definitely going to be fun. And just thinking about um, what necessarily could come out of this game, um, really, I think it's going to be like, how are they going to play with everybody behind them? Because I think like the biggest thing is like, yeah, they stunk last week, but we're not giving up on them. Heck no. They're a better no. team. So I think we're going to see a lot of interesting changes. I mean, we've got we've got so many playmakers that we've already seen. I mean, Marcus Taylor, CJ Jefferson, just to name a few, Cy Barnett, Ty, Tyler Miner, Marvin Campbell. I mean, those guys, those guys have been phenomenal. And I mean, really, the thing that 
gets me is like those guys are playing and they're getting I mean obviously they're getting their yards and they're getting their stats but mm-hmm. I mean they're not afraid when other guys come in to be like yeah let's 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 let them rip and you got other guys like Tyrese Hunt Thompson that have been taking reps Kudrin Davis those guys have all been getting reps in these games so that now you have all this depth and I know Ian really touched uh, touched about this um in our interview with him a week ago where everybody seems like they have somebody behind them, and then once they come in, it's next man up. And we would love to see that this upcoming weekend where we have those guys that we can ground and pound. You can try that Davenport, but we're going to have fresh guys ready for you 24-7. You can keep going, and I think that's going to be really fun to watch, and it's going to be good to see. And I'm I'm excited for this game because we got, we got some chips to take out. Mm-hmm. And this Saturday is going to be a full slate of games for the GLIAC. Everybody's playing this weekend, which is good to see. Ooh. Northern Michigan is going to be taking on Northwood. A full slate of uh, midday games, too, at 1 o'clock. Uh, they're going to be facing off. Grand Valley State is going to be at Michigan Tech at 1 o'clock as well. And then Saginaw Valley and Wayne State are going to be capping off the uh, the quadruple header at 6 o'clock. I think it doesn't say where. I think it might be at Wayne State. I'm not sure. Unless Saginaw Valley is... I don't think they have their homecoming this week. They might be away again. So, But nonetheless, yeah. that's going to be a good game. They're going to be trying to bounce back against Wayne State, which is a good matchup for them because Wayne State has had their struggles so far this season. Mm-hmm. I believe they, yeah, they lost last week, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think they've gotten a win yet. So so I'd like to see what GV does because, I mean, last week they got the win, but it wasn't pretty for the yeah. first half. I mean, they were on the ropes against the D3 team yeah, at home. Not the Ouch. Not the greatest look. Yeah, for sure. But moving into women's soccer coming up on Friday, which is today. Today, I guess. I'm. I'm my brain is on Wednesday right Here's now. We woke up. We woke up real early today. We just have a busy day. Yeah, that's true. We're we we're we're out we're out here. That's our what, brains that's what are in like say. our brains are in like middle of the week mode, but it's almost the weekend. So yep, we're almost there. Hey, it's Friday. Lagging behind a little bit. Friday, that's for Fri-yay, sure. Friday, baby. The weekend is here. Weekend's anyway. Here. Um, at Northwood, two thirty. If you're in the Midland area, if you're heading home for the weekend, um, gonna be a fun game. I mean, I believe if I remember correctly, that um Northwood was a clean win last year. Like I believe it was a blowout. Um, yeah, could check me on that. Um, but I think going into this game, not as much concern you could say obviously we want them to keep it rolling and i think we're going to be in a good spot where we can do that i mean we've been on a huge roll or road or roll on the road thank you joe um where we've taken all these teams on at their place i mean pretty handily i mean ashland three zip walsh five zip parkside six zip and purdue northwest six one what happened to the i'm just kidding um i mean (laughs) i mean i'm not a math major but 20 goals in four games on the road. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. <laughs> That's pretty good. good. So pretty, pretty good. Hoping to see, I'm, I'm hoping to see the exact same, and I think we're going to see a lot of the, a lot of these, um, these big plays again because I think Northwood's a vulnerable team. Um, not necessarily saying like they're degraded or anything, but I mean, looking at some of their scores, like. They've they've been in spots where they've gotten down they've gotten down quick and then yeah. they've been in tough spots so I think this is going to be a fun game and I think with the the position that we're in I think it's going to be a very fun game yeah as long as we can stay hot and just keep those shots coming in the defense can stay strong it's I don't 
really see a, out of a possible. I don't want to say that. I'm going to knock on whatever it says. I don't really see a possibility of us losing. Thank you. Hopefully that was caught on audio. I knocked on the door. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just a it's a situation where we can really end off or really cap off this road trip or these five, yeah, five games in a row where we've been on the road. Hopefully we can cap it off with another electric performance. Come back to play Davenport. Keep the keep the train hot. Keep the train rolling. And then we face off against Grand Valley State for the first time since the uh, since the dreaded uh, playoffs incident where we had to play them. Ended up losing, which is tough. But I think this game is a really it's a situation where like you think it's going to be an easy win, but it's going to be a test to see like okay, like being on the road is probably going to be it's anytime you're on the road for an ex- extended amount of time. It kind of just like wears at you a little bit because yeah. like each week it's just like okay like we're back at campus for a day or two now it's time to go back on the road for another you know three hours it, especially since like you started off going to Ashland Walsh Wisconsin Parkside Purdue Northwest you've been on the road you've been in that bus for so many times now you're finally capping it off how are you going to be able to approach this now it's your last game are you going to come in are you going to do business just so that way when you get to get back to home you can just you know relax and realize that like the probably the hardest part of your schedule especially just going on the road is over. And now you just kind of coast, not coast it out, but you'll be able to have a large uh, homestand uh, waiting for you when you come back. Yeah. And I mean, I think you could definitely make the argument that Northwood's the toughest game on the stretch. I mean, right now they're undefeated. Um, then again, they have played, they have played some weaker p- opponents. I mean, they've also played Walsh. They, they snuck out of their three one. Um, and I think like you, you definitely look at this team, like they definitely are a very good team. And I think they're one of them that is um, very underrated on paper. And, um, but necessarily like the thing is when you say undefeated, it just hits differently as the team, but sometimes you have no context of schedule. And I mean, we've played some of the, well, I mean, obviously we've played Walsh, we've played Purdue Northwest already, and we've seen pretty similar um, but I mean, it's still going to be, I think it's going to be a fun game and I yeah. think you're obviously going to see a lot of, uh, it's going to be a dogfight, really. And I think, um, we're going to be in a position where, uh, I think if we hold them as far as being able to keep them out of the box, like we've done very well the last couple of weeks and put, just keep putting pellets on the net, I think we'll be in good shape. I mean, really just keep the train rolling. That's mm-hmm. really the, the name of the game for, I think what we can, we're going to see against Northwood. And I'm just really hoping that this team can keep it keep it firing, and especially against a good caliber team like the T Wolves. Yeah, as long as we can just stay consistent, we'll be fine. It's just if just don't let the wheels fall off the train, you'll be solid. We'll be in good shape. But anyway, kind of previewing what's happening this weekend in Ferris Sports as well. We also have men's tennis that will be at the ITA Midwest Regional Championships, hoping to see some Bulldogs qualify like the women did last week. Then we also have women's golf, that I believe is going to be um, tomorrow. They're going to be like at Grand Valley, but then they're coming back, I believe, to Ferris, I believe, Sunday, Monday, if I remember correctly. Which is I a, think that's right. I think it's, I'll try to double-check it. It's very that. strange. And then we also mentioned volleyball will be on Sunday against Davenport. And that, that's going to be a fun one for sure to check out. If you're in town, make sure that you come support your Bulldogs. That game will be starting at 4 o'clock um, Eastern time, of course. Yeah. We're not mountain time here. But moving in here now, I'm um, going to switch it up a little bit, Joe. A little, little hey, cross, yo, switch it up. crossover, you would say. Um, 
shake and bake. Um, and into the NBA circuit, there's been a lot moving around. As far as this guy named Ben Simmons, what in the world is going on with Philly? That's the question. Um, and especially the question is, does this mean that Ben Simmons is going to leave the 76ers? He reported that he will never play a game with Philadelphia again and is willing to sit out the entire 21-22 season if that's what it takes. Joe, wow. what are your original thoughts? It must be a pretty serious situation if he's able to, if he that's his ultimatum is I'm not going to play for you or if you keep me, I'm just going to sit out. Which is honestly interesting because I thought the situation between the the franchise and Ben Simmons was not as murky as it was. I thought it was a little bit better, but the, all these reports are coming out that he's just not reporting for training camp. Is it something to do with his contract, or what is it? I think that I think they're just. I feel like, or is he, it just bad blood now? I feel like it's bad blood because he got paid. He's got like 147 million left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Because he's got that max from 19. Yeah. And he's got, I think it's what, thirty million for like it's thirty thirty some odd million like for this year or for each year, like up until his next couple years. But like I don't know. It must have just been something that like I don't know, because reports are still coming out, right? Of what's going on. Oh yeah. I mean, this whole thing just seems like it's spilled over from the beef that was going on. I know like him and Joel Embiid weren't speaking it at some point. Him and the city of Philadelphia were at each other's necks, it seemed like, in the playoffs, especially after he dished it off instead of an easy dunk in the playoffs, which ended up pretty much sealing the deal against them, even though they should have easily taken that series. But, I mean, the fact is, like, Simmons is a good player, I mean, we're talking about a guy that was rookie of the year. I see that in quotes. We know how that situation <laughs> turned out. But, I mean, 14 points a game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, over almost 2 steals last year. That's a very high-caliber stat sheet. And, I mean, just the fact that he's an all-star. I think the biggest part of this is, like, Philly hasn't went anywhere. And all they've gotten is hate, and especially towards his way, because it's been on his hand yeah, multiple times that he's not come up in scenarios. And really it kind of comes down to the fact that when it's late in games and you know he's in there, you know he's not going to shoot the rock. Well, And that's that, a hard thing to take. Yeah, uh, I mean, as far as offensively, because, I mean, they're basically playing zone on Ben Simmons. And why shouldn't well, they when yeah. he won't shoot a jump shot? Especially, like, if you're a point guard and you're not – and you're not developing a strong three game, because whenever we see like images are of him, like in videos of him training in the off season, he's hitting deep NBA level threes. But then when it gets to actual game time, and he has the space to actually hit a three, and which is all the time because nobody's guarding him behind the arc, he's not shooting and he's not trying to develop that skill, which is one of the main reasons that like he could have maybe two times the amount of points that he has in the game, and you could really t- be able to take over games because. When people are saying, like, trust the process and stuff, it's like, I don't know. He's got to buy into that as well because if it's the process and you want to complete the process and get a championship to Philly, it's like you should be able to work on your game and get it so that, like, so that way you can be dependent, you can be dependable on a point where I need to score a three to get, get us back in the game. We might be down, you know, two scores or by five with, like, 15, 20 seconds left and we can get a steal and we can get back to it. 
And they're giving you space in these opportunities, but he's not taking it. And he's only going for, you know, layups and dunks instead of mid-ranges and, and three-pointers, which is just not something that you should do when you're a point guard or a guy who's given the ball as much as he is on the outside perimeter. It just makes no sense. Yeah, I think when you look at what Ben Simmons brings to the table, there's great things, but they're all specific. Like, there's not necessarily, like, he's a great defensive player. Yeah. I mean, just averaging two he's steals a, great a game driving, tells you enough. He's a great driving scorer. He's a good slasher. And the way that this game Has is evolved. played this time period, like you just said, evolved, it doesn't fit with his skill set. Yeah. Because you got a ball or bust. Running gun. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, that why is Golden State? Why was Golden State so good? They'd get out and run. They'd let it fly, and you got Splash Brothers ready to yeah, make it four rain. Four out of the five of their starters could go five for six from three every night. Yep, they could get. We're we're talking about Looney in that crew, not oh, Draymond yeah. Green. <laughs> uh, yeah, they could go. Yeah, they could get fifteen points easily off the like from just the threes. And yeah, you could have four or five guys that were at well into double digits. Just mm-hmm. because they were able to shoot the three ball well. Yeah, which, I mean, the Warriors were one team that originally reached out to for Ben Simmons. Like, hey, you guys looking at dealing Ben Simmons? I mean, we're definitely interested. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is him, would he was in a role like what Draymond does. Why, do you need two Draymonds? No. Not with a team like that. You want to have more shooters around the perimeter and let Draymond do his thing. Because then that's just going to create problems to now where you're guarding three instead of four mm-hmm. on the perimeter and it's not going to make it work. So... I mean, that doesn't make too much sense to me to try to pursue. And I mean, I mean, I think they would definitely probably look at sending Wiggins over, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, Wiggins is a good player. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's the best fit in Golden State as far as there's them moving forward. I think they're definitely going to be looking with Clay back. This is going to be a new team. It, it really yeah. is. And once that time comes, that should, that'll be the, the tale of that. I know like Portland was really interested, um, but I think the only way that Philly's going to get a trade with Portland completed um, in their way to sign the papers is they have to give McCollum or Lillard. And I don't think Portland wants to do that, nor no. should they want to, because yeah, those two a, should stay there. That's a bad idea. Especially, those two should stay there. Yeah, definitely. I think you can maybe make an argument for the T-Wolves. I mean, you have D'Angelo, Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. I think Simmons would fit a little bit. Pr- I think he'd fit in that team. I yeah. think that definitely fills a hole. Um, but I then again... Philly's asking price is so darn high that it's literally like we're going to have to give up two. Like they literally turned down, I believe, an offer that was for like two first round picks and like two quality players. So um, I think it's just a really tough situation for any team trying to make a deal with the 76ers because, I mean, when it comes down to trying to make these deals, it's going in the position of. Now, are we willing to give up our future for somebody that was going to end up being possibly a good asset for this team, even though you know he's not going to shoot? So I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I want to really see what Elton Brand and Daryl Morey do as far as this team moving forward. But um, any original ideas where he could go, Joe? Um, One thing I did like, because I was reading on this a little bit before, uh, it was like a Sacramento type deal where you get like Buddy Heald. And I think, I don't know who else it would go to, but it would have to be like a two or three uh, for Ben Simmons because I don't really know who Sacramento can give up that'll like kind of match it. But I think a Ben Simmons and De'Aaron Fox type like 
relationship because you have De'Aaron Fox who can, you know, go in and his three ball is kind of starting to produce a little bit more. And then you got Ben Simmons who can kind of be that. He can kind of make the transition to forward because he has the height and he has the ability to get down and get uh, get dirty when he needs to. So I think that would be a good, probably a good uh, situation that could go down. But that's if, you know, the Sixers and him figure out what they need to do. Yeah, I think, I think uh, like the biggest for me is like going, I, I mean, would he want to play? I know there was a rumor of him going to Brooklyn, and I was like, Brooklyn? No, you're not getting rid of that team. You're like, I believe their idea was they were intrigued about a Kyrie Simmons swap, and KD rammed it, pretty much rampaged his way into the room and said, absolutely not. Hang up the phone right now. And I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to say, find a contender and put him there. I don't know what team needs a guy like Ben Simmons. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm really interested to see how this goes. I think Minnesota's a viable option. They have capital. They have enough that they'd probably be willing to give up to get him there. But then again, that's going to be how he's going to deal in the small market. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Daryl Morey and Elton Brand decide to do with Ben Simmons. But anyway, transitioning over to the college football realm, I should say upper college football realm. I mean, we talk about college football at Ferris, obviously, but that is true. everybody's looking forward to the games this upcoming weekend, especially Michigan, Michigan State fans. We got two big contests coming up for opening Big Ten play. Michigan taking on Rutgers on Saturday at 3.30. Joe, what are we looking forward to out of our Wolverines? I'm looking forward to a win. It's definitely not going to be easy, like what we've used to seeing, like when we beat them, like, over the past couple of years, I think it was like 72 to like 6 and like 60 to like 12 and stuff like that. I don't think we're going to be seeing that. I think it's probably going to be within probably two scores or so because Rutgers is starting to not be the laughing stock of college football anymore. They're starting to pick it up a little bit, which is surprising because their reputation for so long since they switched to the Big Ten has just been a dumpster fire of a program. But now that they've been able to just really pick it up, it's, it's going to be interesting now because like, I don't know the what are they the Scarlet Knights? That's yep. their that's their mascot. The Scarlet Knights. Yeah, Scarlet Knights. They've gotten a lot better, and it's it's pretty good to see because you you just started to wonder like, okay, how much longer is this kind of kind of last? Because you don't really like to see it. Yeah, I mean, Greg Schiano has done a great job coming back, turning that program around, and I mean. I mean, they're 3-0. You can't underestimate a team that is undefeated. I mean, then again, you are playing Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware. But, I mean, still, those are good quality. That's that's pretty pretty comparable quality wins. You're not playing a D2, D3. You're playing lower D1. So, in which those aren't, those aren't terrible programs. Um, but it's going to be definitely interesting. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what the Rutgers is going to try to do in the passing game because I know that's that's their strength in that offense is how they like to get Vidro out and he's going to be out in the pocket and find yeah. guys open downfield. So they like they they're, they're going to be a good team and I'm really interested to see how our defense reacts to that. I'm not worried about us running the football. I'm worried about us running the football too much because Corum and Haskins, Thunder and Lightning, of course, oh, yeah. fantastic. Those guys phenomenal at running the football and catching the football practically too what we do outside of the run game is i think what's going to separate us from being big 10 contender or a big 10 pretender that's really what i think it's going to come down to because when we look at Cade mcnamara he's a great he's a great game manager i mean he knows exactly what needs to be done he knows exactly where the play needs to go I mean, we haven't seen him sling it very much. Like, I think McCarthy's honestly thrown, like, maybe 70% of the amount of passes that he has, and he's played it in, like, a quarter of the amount of minutes. 
that just kind of yeah. shows you like we have not thrown the football. We really haven't. No, we've been but, run heavy for the basically the duration of the season so far. Yeah, which I mean, 350 yards rushing on average per game, very hard to get away from. But when we play teams down the road, the Ohio States, the Michigan States, the Penn States, what are we going to do against loaded box fronts? Because you know it's coming. Heck, it might come against Rutgers this weekend. I, we don't know. Somebody's going to stack the box and say, hey, don't let them run the football. Make them throw it. How are we going to respond to that? That's going to be the difference between us truly being um, conference championship finalists, really, in the minds of analysts. Because, I mean, we are a top 20 team, finally, at 19. Yeah. This is a home game. Opener against Big Ten. Let's let it rip on them. I, I want to see Northern Illinois numbers. I'm not saying that we will get them, but let's shoot for that. Let's put the pedal down and say, hey, we can do it. But let's do it in the passing game too. That's going to make me feel more comfortable going into those bigger games moving forward. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm hoping. You kind of took the words right out of my mind, Brandon, because I was kind of hoping that as well. Is like we need to develop the passing game because once we reach those uh, defenses that are able to plug up our run game, how are we going to respond to that? Because our D, our our passing offense hasn't really been developed too much. And I think if we just sprinkle that in, kind of see how it works, we don't have to go like 100% like pass heavy if like the run is like starting to get, or like if the run isn't like producing like 100%, we don't have to implement so many pass plays. But just to kind of toss in a couple more like than usual, like, you know, if it's third and long, or if it's like, like, second and short or something like that, tossing a pass play just to kind of get Cade's arm kind of warmed up a little bit, try to get him a little bit more recognizable when he is back in the pocket and trying to develop his arm a little bit. Because once we can do that, then like you said, I think that's when it's going to be able to, we'll be able to be a Big Ten Conference champion like contender compared to like these uh, teams like Ohio State, Michigan State, who's starting to kind of come back a little bit now. And also like Iowa and these other uh, highly ranked Big Ten teams. Once you come to that, I think that's when Michigan's going to be able to do really well is once we develop the passing game a little bit more. Yeah, 100%. I love what you just mentioned. Mix it up, really. Like, get it out second down, second down and short. Let's throw a slant. Let's throw a dig. Let's throw yeah. a drag. They don't have to be far. But they don't have no. to be, like, deep bombs, like, 30 yards in the air or anything like that. They have to be, like, on basically served on a silver platter. It's just, like, get his arm, get Cade's arm warmed up a little bit better. Let him see the field and kind of develop that a little bit more because when he was behind Joe Milton... When he came in, it was the same thing. The passes weren't very good. It's just now, now that we have the solid run game, which we've needed for a while, which we now have, once we can do that, then we're going to be just a very scary offense to deal with, and our defense is pretty solid as well. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for me. I mean, you just mentioned Joe Milton. Joe Milton was the guy where we were like, yeah, let's chuck the ball down the field like every play. Yeah. The hey, guy's his problem gun, was he threw it too hard. Yeah, he. I know. Isn't that I had funny? No finesse. We never had a problem with that ever. It was like, man, we need we need guys that can just whip yeah. the ball. We need a rifle. Joe Milton has he had more than a rifle. He has a cannon for an arm, yeah. but he had no finesse to it. You right? Know? Like there would be there would be a forty yard in the air throw that he needs to make, but he'd throw it fifty. He'd yeah. like he'd overthrow the guy by. Yeah, and like I, I remember hearing some guys talking about it where they said he is throwing the ball almost too hard. Like it is, and I know it's kind of like, how is it too hard? But I mean, when you're chucking 17-yard slants at 70 miles per hour, not That's in this, tough to catch. That is super tough to catch. They got to be I guess, right in the breadbasket. Yeah, too, realistically, you know? it'd be coming in probably. I think you would uh, probably around somewhere between 50 to 60 miles per hour. But I think even so, a football coming at that football. speed. And like you... 
you have to put it in a spot where they can catch it like basket style because you can't you have to have hands of steel and you have to have incredible hand strength to bend down catch a ball coming at 50 to 60 miles an hour at your feet be able to hold on and not let the ball just like bounce off your hands because if you don't catch it on your fingertips your palms are going to act like springs and the ball is just going to bounce off and I think that's the one big problem that we had and I think that's a good thing now that we have Cade McNamara who can't throw as hard but if we can develop his passing he's ability, got touch yeah that's the thing if we can develop his passing ability with small short passes at least this week kind of feel it out then I think that's going to be good because we're going to be really setting ourselves up for a good for a good spot when we go to the later games, like when we have to play Michigan State in October, when we have to go to do we? I think yeah, when we have to go to Penn State and play them, when we have to play all these big games, Ohio State, yeah, Ohio State too. When you have to have a dual threat offense because Ohio State's going to be able to plug up the run, their defense will be able to adapt to that. Penn State will, Michigan State probably will now with their new with their new team and with their new mentality that they have now. It's just going to be a situation, not to beat a dead horse or anything, but once we we just need to implement a little bit more passing. Yeah, I agree. But moving over to Sparty, they're going to have a little bit of a tough test this weekend, I guess you could say. Yeah. We're going to play this week, right? Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. Oh, yeah. I don't That's know. It's going to be so tough for them. Nah. It's going to be the hardest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, they've they've been doing pretty well of racking up yards. I mean, they average 520 yards per game, yeah. 256 in the air, 263 on the ground. I mean, Kenneth Walker's been phenomenal. I, I mean, pump the brakes a little bit on putting him in the Heisman right away because it is only two weeks into the season. But yeah. maybe if he keeps this up for six games, absolutely put yeah, him in that list. In the talks but pump the brakes for just a little, just a little bit. We're not putting Blake Corum in, or Blake Corum in the Heisman Trophy yeah. candidate. So just slow your roll for a second. Uh, not saying he's better or anything, but I'm just saying a really good running back. We need to see it day in and day out. We need Henry type numbers if he yeah, yeah. really wants the Heisman because it's a quarterback dom- dominant trophy. Anyway. Yeah. Michigan State, though, can definitely ride um, I, this. I would say they definitely can ride Kenneth Walker in this game. He's going to be the front runner. He's going to be the bell cow. Yeah. He's going to get a lot of touches. Nebraska's defense has holes in it. So I think you're going to be able to see a nice running game. Um, I believe, I, <laughs> I think it's like 73% favored Michigan State. I personally think it should be higher because I'm not a full believer in that Nebraska program. But then again, Nebraska does like to play shocker because I didn't, yeah. didn't they beat Michigan State last year? Uh, I think so. I don't know. They're both not very good last year, so yeah. I mean, every team in the Big Ten outside of really Ohio State was good garbage. Well, yeah, they were garbage. Ohio State was the only good team, so I mean, it's really hard. To, I mean, they they did play pretty tough against Oklahoma. Then again, we're both not we're not both Oklahoma believers yet, so yeah, no chance. There's yep. There's that Spencer Rattler. Not good. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say kind of sucks. Kind of trash. Yeah. Plug for the episode. Anyway, yeah, episode. should be a pretty. I think it's going to be a pretty easy game for Sparty. I, I think Peyton Thorne's going to do well. I think Kenneth Walker, like I said, is going to do good. I'm really interested to see who they're going to get the ball to, because I mean we've seen a good receiving core. I mean Jalen, um, um, Jalen Naylor, um, Jalen Reed, those guys um, have done a very good job. And I, I mean they've got some weapons out on the outside. So I'm going to be really interested to see how they do, um, as far as who's going to get targeted, because we've seen a little bit different so far in each game, but. I think it's definitely going to be fun. I'm really interested to see how this game turns out because I know Adrian Martinez is going to try to gunsling it, I think, this entire game and how that yeah. secondary adjust is going to be interesting. But um, some other notable games in the top 25 to look forward to on Saturday. Um, Georgia is going to be playing Vanderbilt. Should be an easy win. Yeah. Penn State, Villanova, pretty easy win. 
One game that's definitely going to be fun, Wisconsin Badgers, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Saturday at oh, 12 dang. o'clock. That's going to be a dogfight. Those oh, two teams. something it, else. It's going to be a great game. I think it's going to oh, – that one's going to be a fun one just to see how um, Wisconsin responds with their O-line because um, – or sorry, um, excuse me. Notre Dame and Wisconsin both um, have with their offensive lines because I think you definitely – see two highly talented programs in that department when it comes to potential professional players. Wisconsin and Notre Dame are two of the lists that you'll look for as far, hey, where are their linemen at in this draft? Because there's a lot of guys there. I mean, we've seen so many of them last year. Uh, I think it'll be a fun game to see in the trenches because that's going to be where the battles won, just like we just mentioned with those two. Uh, Jack Cohn, Graham Mertz going to be trying to gunsling it. But I'm really interested to see how both of these um, these both defensive fronts go because both the lines are pretty good. How they're gonna how the defense is gonna respond? How are they gonna scheme? Are we gonna see more stunts? Are we gonna see more bull rush? What are we gonna see to try to get both these offensive lines off the game? Because if they don't, this could be a potential shootout. But on paper, you don't see that necessarily as a college football guy. So yeah, gonna be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Kind of looking forward to a lot of other games. Have you mentioned Texas A&M and Arkansas yet? I have not. That was the that's next one be, I was going to put on my list. Game. Texas A&M, Arkansas 7 versus 16. That's at 3.30. I believe Anna, or Arkansas is the host for that game. Texas A&M is favored, which is fair because they're the better team. But Arkansas has liked to play spoiler. That is Just true. Saying. That is very true. I mean, it's going to be... I, I think that game will be a game where it's like, how are we going to see... Which offense shows up? Because really, that's like A&M. That's the only thing holding them back is a consistent offense. I mean, obviously, they lost their starting QB. Um, but I mean, the inconsistencies for Arkansas have been on the offense, too. Like, how many how many points are they going to be able to put up? They've done it so far this year. Are they going to be able to keep it rolling? I mean, they took it to Texas hardcore 40-21 to 21, yeah. uh, earlier, I believe, two weeks ago. So how they respond offensively is going to be a key factor to see if they can be able to air it out, if they're going to be able to put the ball in the deck and just run as, run through everybody. But A&M's got a good defense, and that's why they're number seven. So mm-hmm. how that matchup will work out is going to make this game very intriguing, especially to those that potentially, like, you know, they want to have a little fun and bet on the game, who you're going to pick. I mean, Arkansas has some definite intrigue. Yeah. As far as t- as far as rooting for an underdog is concerned, but um, some other notable games here: uh, Tennessee, Florida, little fun SEC matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Kansas State is playing Oklahoma State. Watch out for an upset in that one. Um, I believe Oregon will be playing Arizona. That one should be a played no contest. Uh, North Carolina will be playing Georgia Tech. Sam Howell going to try to get them back on track. Um, Ohio State and Akron, and you heard this right. Ohio State is favored 48 and a half against Akron. 48 and a half. And they don't have CJ Stroud. That's huh. ridiculous. That, Just that's to put this something. in context, Bama's playing Southern Miss and they're favored by 40 they're favored by 45. They think Akron's really that bad, huh? They think Auburn or sorry, Akron is really that bad. That's kind of surprising, I'm not going to lie. That's nuts. I just saw the line number, and I just said, oh my goodness, what is that? <laughs> 48 and a half. They better not lose by 47, or some people are going to be upset. 
But um, those are pretty much the notable games coming out this week. Going to be very interesting week in college football, of course. And obviously, the NFL will be on this weekend as well. Shout out to the Panthers for a good win last night over the yep. Texans. Rip, though, to McCaffrey owners. Moment yeah. of silence for fantasy owners of Christian McCaffrey. Moment of silence. Okay. You'll be okay. <laughs> I promise. Make some trades. You'll be fine. Go pick up Tyson Williams on the waiver wire. That's what you really need to do. But thank you so much, guys, for tuning into this episode, MBSP. We're here to stay, baby. And we're here That's to keep sure. making fire content. Not even the fire department can put out our content, bro. Right? That is true. That is true. Right? We, we burn hot. That's I, for sure. I think that's great. But obviously, make sure that you follow us on whatever podcast platform you are on. One of our available nine. And if you want all nine, go check out our show website at the, at, I believe it is, www.anchor.fm slash the MVSP. So that's where you can find all of our lovely platforms and take a choose. Which one? Try a new one. I actually learned that I think one of them, um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, allows you to play at different speeds. So you can huh. even listen to ours in the car. Hey, you need a 30-minute car ride with our hour-long episode? You can speed it two times fast. Dang. Look at that. Everything's fine. I Make our voices even faster. So you, I don't know how our voices sound in two times speed. Probably a little bit higher. Probably. We we'll talk fast anyway. We talk fast anyways. I know. It's going to be a really gonna interesting be, game. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be going super fast. So, yeah, those people probably just got super confused there. Yeah. But until next time, guys. Take care, everybody.